This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. To receive a free copy of Bob Buford's classic book, Halftime, Moving from Success to Significance, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, and uh, we've just had an incredible first half of the year, and we just want to thank all of our listeners out there across the world, and I would love you guys to just go to the podcast and just tell one friend about what we're doing here. Just, uh, Just share it. And uh, we just want to keep uh, growing. Our goal is to have this consistently in the top 100 iTunes uh, for, you know, with faith-based content. And you guys are all a part of that. Everything that we do is driven by uh, the feedback we get from, from you, our listeners. And we just thank you so much, so much appreciation for, for who you are, what you're doing, and, and the mission you guys have in your life. And today, we have a great guest, uh, Lee Colon. Lee, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, John. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, I, I love your mission statement here, Lee. It's to equip and inspire leaders at every level, and you know that's a big focus of what we do here. And I know you're a, you're a top advisor to a number of America's leading companies. Uh, you were nominated for a top management thinker globally by Thinkers Fifty. Um, I would have to start thinking more to even be in the zip code <laughs> for something like that. Uh, you are also a uh, John Maxwell Leadership Award finalist. And here's a little uh, note. When I first became a believer, I went to John Maxwell's church back in Lemon Grove, uh, California by San Diego. And nice. he was my pastor. And he offered to mentor me personally. Wow. We got together. He called me up. We got together for lunch. We had lunch. And he was a pastor, right? And I figured he just wanted me to do volunteer more at church. And I, I passed on the opportunity to be mentored by John Maxwell. So later, my wife's like, you know what, John? You could have been a contender. <laughs> so um, I know you've written, you've been a very prolific writer. Uh, 13 popular leadership books, they've been translated into 10 languages. And one of your focuses to, and I love this, is to create simple tools for some of these complex challenges like execution, accountability, culture, engagement, attitude, and coaching, which is a big passion of mine. So people can actually, you know, take some of the changes that they want to make and have uh, some ways to take those steps forward. So thank you for how you think about things and put, put, put these tools together for folks. So as we get started, I'd love for you to just share just a little bit about, you know, about your background, your, your journey up to this point and sure. how all this has come together, Lee. Sure. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Listen, I'm basically a pretty simple minded guy. So uh, when I look at challenges that people have over the past 18 years is when we started this business, I was in the corporate world before that and with a couple of large consulting firms. Uh, but I just like to look at challenges like the some that you mentioned, you know, engagement, execution, and most leaders get the what. They, they kind of know what they need to do. If you say, hey, do you need more accountability, more engagement, you know, a better culture, uh, better execution? They all agree with that. But we tend to get tangled up in the how-to. So I'm just kind of a how-to guy. Roll up my sleeves and just figure out what, what's a way we can help leaders think about these things uh, so they could take action. And I think in our, our natural human nature, I think Warren Buffett has this great quote about, you know, as humans, we have this perverse tendency to want to uh, complicate the simple. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, didn't get it just right, but I butchered it a little bit. But 
so I just, again, I'm, I'm pretty simple-minded, so I just see these problems, uh, these challenges, and I just try to put together models that make it really simple for uh, leaders to kind of say, okay, I can get my head around that now. Not only can I get my head around that, I know what actions I need to take. And the, these models usually consist of, you know, a, a few simple components with very basic actions uh, to move forward. Because I think, you know, the greatest, uh, the, the greatest of concepts, I don't care if it's a, a management concept or a biblical concept, is just a concept if it's not put into action. You know, my, my favorite book in the Bible is James because it's all about, you know, putting, putting uh, you know, feet behind your faith. And uh, so uh, that's really what we try to do is just take some of these challenges that you rattled off. And, and the most recent one is, is coaching because uh, it's, been, it's been a hot topic. Our clients are challenged with it. Uh, everyone talks about coaching and stuff. And everyone uh, always wants an external coach. Uh, you know, it's funny, 10 years ago, uh, if you had a coach, you had, you know, it was like the Scarlet A, you know, like, oh my gosh, he's got a coach, you know, maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, because uh, it was, but, uh, uh, yeah, you're I was like, a coach because you're on a right. performance plan. That's right, right. And now you go into clients and they feel left out if they don't have a coach. So, uh, but, so just because it's becoming much more prevalent doesn't mean it's being done well or right. And you find all kinds of books and resources with, with scripts and flow charts. And if the person says this, then you need to say that. And we're like, you know, it's simpler than that. You have to just, we always talk about looking behind the employee to see the human being and their basic needs every human has. Uh, and whether you're millennial, whether whatever you are. And so, you know, because people are getting caught up now in all the millennial stuff. And it's like, listen, the millennials, as far as I know, are still human beings. So if you look behind the employee to the human being, <laughs> you, can, you can see basic needs. And you, there's a simple process to meet those needs as a leader to help them coach. So you don't need scripts or anything like that. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's in essence what we try to do is really simplify things to, to the, the human element. Over the 50, past 50 to 100 years, we've had more globalization and more technology and more mixed generations in the workforce and all that stuff. But it's leading people still comes down to trying to get a human being to do something you know, on behalf of something bigger than his or, his or herself. So that's really it. And, and people, I, I get some dirty emails when I say that because it's, I believe it's simpler than people make it because we get caught up in the whirlwind of things happening around us. But if we focus in on the human trying to do work, um, I don't think a whole lot's changed in a long time. Yeah, focusing on the human because, you know, a couple things you mentioned, right? Uh, and uh, I, I saw a stat, I can't remember what it is, but I think last year there was over, I don't know, there were thousands of leadership books written. Oh, sure. And, and all these books, Lee, they're, you know, they're all about kind of the, the why and the what, and they're very uh -huh. popular. It's almost like you know, reading a, a book on cooking doesn't teach you how to actually you know, bake or cook anything. Right, right. right? You have to, first of all, you have, to, you have to know the how. You have to have tools <laughs> to be able to do it. What are the tools, the ingredients, and the recipes to actually start doing some of this? I think the why and the what are important. But the other piece that I think gets lost is the who we are as a person because if we really want to have influence over somebody else you know mm -hmm. we have to have congruency in who we are and how we, are we showing up as our best self our you know how we're talking our body language our tone of voice are are we living in line with our core beliefs and our core values but are we helping those around us to improve as people to get some of that in alignment and i think that's you know in our culture today uh, there's not a lot of focus on that area and how to do that, but the leaders that can really 
connect with their folks, help them show up as their best self, connect the work to something important to them, the mission of the organization and, and their maybe their mission, their vision for what they want to accomplish outside the organization and right. where, you know how those where there's a convergence between those two. Sure. Man, that's where you just develop an, just an extraordinary culture and organization. Absolutely. You know, and uh, we talked about earlier, you talked about our, the tagline for our business is leadership at every level. It's called the L group. But it's not in this, the intent was not at every level in the organization. Our, our, L, our logo is three stacked L's, and it's to signify the three levels of leadership that we work on. And the first level is personal leadership, then team, then organizational. But when you hear aspiring leaders or any leader, they all want to kind of jump to, how do I set a great vision? How do I, you know, they want to think at team and organizational level. But you really have to have your personal leadership together first, your own personal integrity, your own personal set of values. And, and that's really what's most important. And that, that's not about a skill. That's about being aligned with who you are, what you're all about. And then people naturally want to follow that kind of level of integrity and authenticity. Uh, but if you just don't have your act together, so to speak, at that personal level, and you're just trying to jump to the team and organizational level, uh, it, it's it's a struggle all the way. Because you really, the personal leadership is really just kind of the foundation you need to be an excellent leader over time. And in fact, in this new book that we wrote on the five habit, five coaching habits of excellent leaders, we have the whole first uh, part of the book is about how do you how can you be more personally reliable? Because the subtitle of the book is how to create the reliability advantage for your team. So if you want reliable results from your team, you have to coach them in a reliable way. But first and foremost, you have to be personally reliable. You can't expect reliable performance from your team if you're not what we call have a high say-do ratio, right? So the, the, the amount of things that you say are very highly correspondent with what you do. Uh, so we really spent a significant portion of the book on it's really personal leadership. How can you become more personally reliable? If you can do that, the coaching reliability stuff it just falls right into place. But if you don't have that foundation of being personally reliable, you know, you could do all the coaching tools and tricks all day long and still struggle with your team. I agree with that. Now, it's interesting because I, uh, when I work with an organization and we're putting together a coaching plan, those uh -huh. are the exact three areas that we talk about is, you know, your personal development as a leader. What are the interactions and dynamics that you need to develop in your team? And what mm -hmm. are those organizational goals? And leaders are very much drawn to the changes they want to make on the team and the goals for the organization. The personal development as a leader, like what you're talking about, is an area that is, for some people, uh, more challenging. Because, uh, first yeah. of all, it requires personal change. But what do you think, Lee, are some of the kind of the, either the foundational pieces that might hold people back from really kind of wanting to dig in and work in that area of that personal leadership? Well, it's the same reason that people, we do a lot of work around execution. I'm going to tie this in in a minute. Um, and it's the same reason it's much easier to say, hey, let's change our strategy. The strategy is not working. And so people tweak and change their strategy all day long in businesses instead of saying, you know what? Is there something I'm doing that we're not executing the strategy that we have well enough already? So it's, it's harder from an ego perspective to say, you know what? It's about me. Right. It's not about the strategy. And it's the same thing here when you talk about, uh, you know, coaching. It's like it's really about it. the reason it's harder to kind of look inside of ourselves is that it, we, we are built. We are designed to kind of protect our own ego in a way. Right. And, you know, Ken Blanchard's talked about this a lot for many years, that that ego is the number one leadership derailer. 
Uh, so we really have to get that pridefulness out of the way. And, and the most excellent leaders are willing to humble themselves, are willing to say they're wrong, are willing to work on themselves, not just to, to the point where they've quote unquote arrived. It's a never ending process of saying, you know, this is working, this isn't working. I'm not doing this so well. I've got to improve in this. Or I'm, pro- I'm weak in this area. I've worked on it for a while. It's not working. I better get people around me that are strong in that area. <laughs> and I'm comfortable getting people that are smarter than me in certain areas, right, around me. So I really think a, lo- a lot of it is just uh, natural human insecurity and, and, and sometimes ego. And really ego is really just the flip side of insecurity, just the dark side of insecurity. And I believe many of the, many of the barriers that we uh, have to address in others and in ourselves are based on our own in- human insecurity that we're not, we're not good enough, we're not in control enough, we're not whatever enough, right? And really all of that, and that's why we find that faithful leaders really tend to be very good because they understand that, that, that they're already whole in their, in their faith in, in God and, uh, and they, they're willing to uh, just let go a little bit and, and work on themselves more. Uh, but I think if people don't have that, they struggle a lot. Uh, and I'm not saying if you're not a faithful person, you, you can't be a good leader. It's not about that. But, uh, but I do believe it's a really natural human insecurity. It really becomes the primary barrier to people be willing to really look at themselves in the mirror, figure out what's doing well, what's not, and, and make some tough changes. It's, that's, those are the, the toughest, toughest changes to make are the ones on, about, you know, on ourselves. We know that. So, you know, you know, people listening to our this conversation, Lee, right now, and they're like, okay, how do I get started on that? What are, what's some advice you have for people to maybe start identifying some of those, those big rocks, right? I, when I work with yeah. people, we're always looking at what are some of the personal constraints that might be there? They could be in your, you know, reasons that you get angry. They could be in your, your identity. They could be how you think your life experiences have maybe colored things. Um, sure, sure. And we have uh, to yeah. dig in and, you know, find, uh, you know, some of the things we can work on are really causing symptoms in our life about how we show up. Uh, but there's the uh, kind of that core piece that's really the cause of that. And those are the ones yeah. that we're sometimes reluctant to tackle first because they're, they're bigger, they're bigger rocks, but that's, I, that's always been my philosophy is let's find out what that big one is, because if I can make some improvement in that one area, everything else is going to get a little bit easier. So how do we find some of those? Yeah. You know, we're, we're all good at solving symptoms. It's tougher to get to the root cause for sure. So I'm actually going to draw from the, uh, from the, the five habits of coaching, uh, uh, the five coaching habits of excellent leaders on that, because at the beginning of the book, as I mentioned, really addresses that about how can you be more personally reliable but it really gets to the question you're asking, John. So one of them, one of the kind of key, personal keys to personal reliability is to know yourself. We always say the most important knowledge is, to, is self-knowledge. Is really knowing, God, what are your personal values? What's important to you? Uh, and make those, what we call them, early decisions in, in life and, and when you're in professional life. So being clear about, you know what, I'm all about taking care of my people. I'm all about making sure we're taking care of the customer. Uh, when I had my personal values, when I started as a leader, were least three Fs, fair, flexible, and fun. And, uh, and, and so people knew coming in, we'd have a conversation. This is what you could expect from me because I'm fair, flexible, and fun. Uh, and, uh, and then here's what I would expect from you as, as a result. Uh, so really kind of having, sitting down and figuring out who, who am I as a person and, not, and, then, and then ultimately as a leader and being clear about that. So kind of some self-knowledge. And, and that also means willing to be willing to listen to other people and getting open to some feedback. This is back to that insecurity thing. We need to make sure that we're comfortable getting feedback so we can kind of continue to 
be clear about who we are. People are comfortable, feel more comfortable following someone who's comfortable with themselves, right? If we're playing a role that's not doesn't feel authentic to us, and people kind of feel that. So follow. Go ahead. I'll, go ahead. There are a couple more, but go ahead and jump in, John. Well, no, I th well, I, you know, the concept of feedback. It's interesting when we teach and, and work with large groups. I'll ask them a question: Who thinks uh -huh. all personal feedback is relevant? And typically, half the room will say it's not. And because you well, know, what, you know what happens? The person that? giving the feedback. You know, here's what happens: the person giving the feedback thinks it's relevant because I'm giving you the feedback. The person receiving the feedback doesn't always think it's completely relevant. You know I agree because right because we we hear the feedback and because of um, how we perceive ourselves or how we want to be perceived, uh -huh. it, it, it's not in alignment. So um, I'll tend to reject right. it. But if somebody's giving me that feedback, so this is just kind of a a pointer for folks. I believe that all f personal feedback is relevant because it's mm -hmm. relevant to the relationship first of all. So Lee, if you tell me something about what I'm doing or how I'm showing up or how I'm working and I disagree with you. But if I sit there and think about it and acknowledge, you know what, it's true to Lee, so it's relevant to our relationship, That's right. first Good of point. all, because I want to be able to have a better working relationship, be able to have influence in your life, to be able to help you do better. I need to be open to some of this feedback that helps me get expand my view of, of myself and be able to work on areas. Now, it doesn't mean that all feedback is uh, actionable, but all, I think all feedback is something we definitely, we can't just reject and say, oh, that's that, just that person. That's right. That's a great, great, great point. Because it, it is stepping back about, is looking at the bigger picture. It's not about feedback on that particular item. It's really about the relationship. And the relationship's always relevant, right? So in that context, all the feedback's relevant. I like that. Good spin. Now, hey, uh, uh, go ahead. Now, you were going to talk about a second point there. Well, well, just uh, separate from knowing yourself, then you have to know your priorities. Kind of what, what's important to you. What you know? What, what are you going to put your precious energy behind? We always say the time, money, and energy are precious resources. If you spend them someplace, one place, you don't get them back to spend somewhere else. So, um, how how do people know what's important to you? Is it you know how does your family fit in with your work? Even within work. What are the, you referred to earlier, what are the big rocks? Like what are the, the really important things? And we always talk about even one thing at work. There's like, you, you know, there's one thing that's probably most critical that you have to get done this week, this month, this quarter, this year. And, uh, and, and if, if you get a lot of other stuff done, but you don't get that one thing done, your week, month, quarter, year is a failure. And the reverse is true. If you get that one thing done and you don't get a lot of other stuff done, your week, quarter, month is, is probably a victory. So it's really getting that laser-like clarity around what are, my, what are our priorities. Uh, and we find it's a, a big challenge with leaders, and, and particularly entrepreneurial leaders, who tend to be not quite as focused, and so they see opportunities all over. So their teams get a little frustrated because they're chasing different opportunities all over the place, and they're more like a sun. They're spraying their energy all over the place versus being like a late, kind of being laser-like with their leadership. Uh, so I think it's really important to know your priorities and know where you're putting your precious resources in. Particularly if you're an entrepreneur, you probably don't have, you know, you're not an IBM, you don't have a huge uh, set of resources under you. So you want to make sure you're taking those finite set of resources and putting them toward the things you, that are going to have the most uh, impact for you personally and for the business. And, you know, we, we have a lot of listeners that are very entrepreneurial. They're business owners. We have, you know, coaches, which is kind of a different kind of entrepreneurship, right? It's solopreneurship. You know, you're really... Uh -huh accountable your accountability is really 
uh, a decision moment by moment. And I know, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about before we started the interview was one of your biggest challenges and struggles um, was, you know, you started a business, you had no clients, and you said you had to persevere for 18 months before you even got any traction. Yeah. And I think that's something a lot of people probably listening to can even relate to. And I'd, lo- I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that, that period of your life, Lee. Yeah, you know, it's I was clear about what we wanted to do, and, and I had to kind of make sure I was managing my own language to myself and to others because it could easily go, oh, gosh, I've been you know, pounding the pavement here for a year and nothing's going on. So we had to be clear about, hey, we're, we're, we're good with this, um, uh, and uh, you know, we, it's, we're doing the right things. We're not seeing the fruit yet, but we know we're planting the right seeds. Uh, and so, uh, the, again, I talked about James before. I really had to kind of rely on my, my life versus uh, James 1. Uh, James 1 4, right? You know, and let steadfastness or perseverance, depending on the edition you're using, have its full effect and that you may be perfected and complete, lacking in nothing. So I knew it was the right, the right path for me, but like anyone, in, and I happen to be in the consulting industry, you know, you've got to get out there and tell your story. You've got to, you know, tell your point of view. You've got to create new models and thinking. Uh, and part of that, you know, in starting in any business, people have to know that you're going to be around. What I realized was that all, regardless of the industry you're in, People are really buying confidence, right? So confidence in that you have some expertise in what you're doing, but most of all, confidence like, are you going to be around? <laughs> and so I knew that you know it was going to take some time to kind of make sure people, boy, this guy's still around. He's still he's still giving all these free speeches. He's still giving away free tools. He's still doing this and that. He's probably not going anywhere. Uh, so we had to be confident in that, and we just call it our investment year. You know. I, I jokingly tell people it was the year we told a million lies because people say, hey, Lee, all well-meaning friends, how's that business going? You know, and we'd have to say, well, you know what? It's going great. We're getting in front of the right people. We we feel passionate about what we're doing. We know we're going to make a difference in the world. All along, not making any money. But, you know, so uh, so uh, but we, we had we had to be faithful uh, and, and God was faithful to us and his provision, too. But um, we just had to kind of keep pushing and pushing. And I always tell people going out on your own is not really a plan B, right? You have to make a lot of personal sacrifices. You're going to be an entrepreneur, as many of the people in your audience know. Uh, so it's not like you want to have a fallback position. And for us, it wasn't a fallback. We knew we were going to make this work. Um, so I think there's a there's a, a whole kind of mindset before you even start out that, oh, gee, I can't find a job. I better just go start out on my own. And and many people that are not on their own don't re- realize they have this kind of this glamorized vision of what entrepreneurship feels like. They see the flexibility and the autonomy and the, you know, go playing golf on Wednesday afternoon, that type of thing. And, 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 and your audience is probably laughing now knowing that's, that's quite the opposite. And, uh, so anyway, I, I just think it, it's, it's our, my faith played an important role in that, uh, uh, to make sure that we, we felt like this is the right thing to do. And this is what God had designed, uh, me to do with my life. Uh, and then knowing that even when it was tough, he would he would provide. So, um. well, you know that's a great point too because you know you look at some of these other entrepreneurs, depending on whatever business you're trying to get into, coaching, consulting, you know, a traditional business, and we do have a tendency. I know I do to kind of compare myself to some others, the people that maybe can play golf or they're traveling or they've done yeah. well financially, and you're like, yeah. Oh my goodness, this is how am I going to get there? So I, I had to shift my mindset. This was a coach I was working with. I'm really, instead of comparing, how do I compete with my best self? And in every situation, right, whether it's a marketing effort or a sales call or whatever it happens to be, even if it did not go well, what is the one thing that I did well? 
that I can take away that I can, you know, hang my hat on and what are, uh, and he challenged me to write down every interaction I had is what is 10 things I learned from that. Wow. And that was really powerful because when I really started looking at um, successes and failures from a point of learning and a point of how do I bring out my, uh, my better self or my best self into each one of these situations, each time I move forward into a new situation or the next time, I was a little bit better and a little bit better. And then all of a sudden, probably like you, 18 months into it, things started to connect and move forward mm -hmm. and our practice mm -hmm. started to grow and the podcast started to grow and all these opportunities started to open up. But it definitely took a very consistent effort over a long period of time to really get some traction. Yeah, good for you. Yep, absolutely. And, and you know, and there's a, a section of the book we call uh, great, great coaches are great students. And so what you're touching on there is like you have to always be learning, right? And, and great leaders are great. You know, we say leaders are learners, right? Oh, you always just have to be open to um, pursuing more stuff. And obviously your listeners know that because that's why they're, they subscribe to your podcast to kind of get, get a nugget or two each time they hear you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, you know, you talk about um, – in your book, what are the, the five coaching habits, Lee? Yeah, and, and, and your listeners are going to laugh. It sounds so simple. But again, we're talking about basic human needs here. So the five are explain, ask, involve, measure, and appreciate. That's simple. So, you know, when you explain, you explain expectations to your team, you get alignment with your team. That's really what you want, right? When you uh, ask questions, you engage your team. When you involve your team in developing solutions, identifying problems, you get a sense of ownership. When you measure results, you get accountability. When you appreciate people, you deepen their commitment. So if you think about the five habits on the left-hand side, if you, if you will, just visually, explain, ask, involve, measure, appreciate, we can't do salt and pepper coaching, what I call, which means, you know what, today I'm just too busy. I can't bother that explain thing. He knows what he's doing, or, or I, I, he knows or I appreciate him. I'm just not going to appreciate him this time. Or, or you know, that measurement thing's a pain in the neck. I'm not going to do it right now. I'm just busy with other stuff. So you kind of reap what you sow when it comes to coaching. So if, if you choose not to do these things, explain, ask, involve, measure, appreciate, then you have to accept the fact as a leader that you're not likely to get full alignment or engagement or accountability or commitment or ownership, right? So, uh, but if you habitually embed those behaviors into every interaction, the way you coach every day, the way you just communicate, it's not like a separate a separate uh, behavior of coaching. It's really how, how you communicate, how you interact in every way. If you consistently do those things, then you know it's very predictable that you're going to have an aligned team, an engaged team, a committed you know team with ownership and 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 um, and accountability. So um, it's 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 that simple. So of course we the, the book's really all about you know just very simple tools that you can use uh, to achieve each of those. So for example. Uh, I'll give you one just to kind of give people a concrete sense. So under explain, we use the three W's, which is what, who, and when. So any meeting you come out of or any interaction for that matter is you have to summarize by saying who's going to do what by when, right? It's that simple. So I, I, I'm in with clients sometimes and they take copious notes from a meeting, pages and pages. And I was like, I don't really care about all the notes. I just want to know what action is going to happen, who's accountable by when. Give me three columns. It's a very simple Word document, three columns, and that's it, right? Uh, and so I even use it as a mental template. I encourage our clients to, you pass someone in the hall, you have a quick interaction with them. Hey, John, oh, I need this project. I need this report by then. That's fine. Summarize it very quickly. You'd be amazed. The simplest interaction, a 30-second interaction, people could come away and I'll summarize it. And I'll go, okay, so Jack, you're going to do this by then, and I'm going I'm to do this by then. 
And they'll go, uh, Lee, how'd you get that? And I was like, well, you know what? I'm glad I checked. Because human communication is a highly imperfect science, right? So just using the three W's, what, who, and when is just a very simple tool to make sure you people are aligned on their expectations. So it's, it's that level of simplicity, honestly. Uh, but that's also what enables these kind of our readers and, and, and our, our clients to be successful with this stuff because we don't put any rocket science in front of them. We give them simple tools that they can act on and measure the results of pretty, pretty easily. Well, yeah, well, you're step four, you know, accountability. You can't have accountability unless we have an agreement on the front end. That's right. People I mean, always how think do I hold you? If you right. feel That's like right. you're holding me accountable to an illogical right. framework, you're going to get illogical behavior from your team. That's right. And or that's your family par- or your kids or I mean, this is this applies everywhere. Absolutely. And, and that, John, that's the paradox with accountability. People think about accountability on the back end. They think about it as the consequences, but you really you have to front. We call front end loading accountability. And that's really in the expectation side for sure. And, and one of the things, if you don't mind me just jumping into this uh, on, on the personal reliability side, which ties into the expectations, is making sure you're committing to timelines or committing to deadlines before while you consider timelines. So here's what happens. Everyone knows what a deadline is. I need this by Friday at noon. But deadlines are when work is due. Timelines are when work gets done. But all too often we'll say, John, I need that report by Friday noon. And to be a well-meaning employee, you'll say, sure, boss, I'll get it done, right? But you've committed to a deadline when work is due before you've considered your timeline when work gets done. So it's important as a leader to give your team a chance to say, hey, I need this by Friday at noon. It's probably going to take you five or six hours. Can you check your timeline, i.e. your calendar, before you commit to that deadline? Because often what happens, we commit to the deadline, and then someone goes back to their desk. They look at their calendar. They realize, oh, my goodness, I, this is going to take five hours. I don't have a, a minute free between now and then. How am I going to get it done? But it, then it becomes a face-saving thing. We don't want to go tell our boss, oh, I committed to something. Now I'm going to go back on it. Because reliable people view their words as a personal promise to others. But what happens, Friday noon comes, you say, hey, Lee, where's the report? I say, oh, John, I didn't have time. And then it's a lose-lose. You're frustrated, I'm frustrated. And if that goes on enough, we kind of chip away at our culture of accountability with our team. So really making sure for ourselves and for others, we're giving them permission to consider timelines before they commit to deadlines. That's a really important concept uh, that we used in terms of setting clear expectations. Well, and that's a great place for you to ask, you know, some additional open-ended questions when you're when you're sure. when you're setting those up, right? Hey, do you have the resources that you need to get that done? Is there any reason that that might not work out between now and Friday? So you can actually help them succeed by asking, you know, those next layer of questions. Is there anything you need from me personally? to get that done. Well, you know, for me to get that done, I have to go meet with these three people to get their inputs. I honestly don't know if I can get that done by this Friday. Well, let me help you, you know, move some things around or you're right. Friday might not be a realistic time frame for us to get that done. But if we can be coaching them by asking questions, so they really understand what they need to get done, how much time it takes, the resources they need, what might hold them back from succeeding. And now we are, now we're not only, helping them create the accountability, get the work done, but we're, we're their advocate versus somebody uh, that's just telling them, you know, I don't care if you have, sometimes you do have to work late, right? Lee, to get things done. Some things are just time sensitive, but you know, but I, but we want to know that too. How do I connect that this report is important also to what we're doing and why we're doing it and, and what this does for all of us, the team, the, the customer, so forth. 
And then that, that negotiation up front of expectations is so key. And what the biggest barrier we hear from leaders, Lee, I don't have time to do that. And I would just say, setting clear expectations is a pay me now or pay me later proposition, right? You either take the time to be clear about it up front with some of those questions that you just suggested, John, so that you are in sync. Or if you don't, more likely than not, I guarantee you what you're going to be doing in a week or a day. You're going to be doing the same thing, right? Because <laughs> people weren't clear on it. They, did, they, were, they were committing to a deadline without considering a timeline. So it's really about pay me now or pay me later. I, was, I said, if you don't have the time now, you're going to have the time later because it's going to come up again, more likely than not. So um, great set of questions you were suggesting, John, just to kind of flush through uh, to make sure people are clear on things. But also, like you said, kind of they buy into it. Okay, I've committed to this. I've considered everything. Now I kind of own the goal. I didn't, it just didn't get kind of pushed on me. Well, you know, it's interesting, too. Here, here's a reason not to just be directive, which we think saves us time. Mm-hmm. But if you and I have a conversation and you tell me exactly what to do for a process and we're having a mm-hmm. verbal conversation, yeah. and you quiz me about that a, a day later, I, I, if I'm really good, I might remember about 5 or 10% of that conversation. Right, right. And so, but if we're asking questions and the people and the person that we're working with has that ownership, they're coming up with, we're forcing them to think about how they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, then their retention, their engagement, their involvement uh, goes up by an order of magnitude. Absolutely. So it saves us, honestly, this approach, which maybe sound counterintuitive to some people, saves us a tremendous amount of time because it also, one of our, I think, the purposes of leadership is for us to be able to teach, train, and equip our people so that we can successfully delegate. And once we're able to delegate and we can see that they're, they're able to do this on their own, then we can empower them to do it autonomously. And now they have a new skill, professional, personal skill that they're, that they're working in, that they're using, and there's some satisfaction around that too. But if we're just directive, that, creates a, that, that, that can create a lot of conflict in an organization. Right. And that's, and that's, you really just touched on the involve habit, right? And, uh, and in fact, the, the, you just outlined what's on page 61 in our book is really the learning pyramid is really understanding as a leader, as we coach, we basically only remember 10% of what we read, about 20% of what we hear, and all the way down to 90% of what we say and do. So if you think about like this on a pyramid from top to bottom, you have to be kind of coaching down the learning pyramid to coach up your team. So in other words, you know, if I just say, hey, John, go do this, that's something you're just you're just hearing. You have about a 20% chance you're going to retain that. But if I say, hey, John, here's what I want you to do. Why don't you replay it back to me and tell me how you would do it in your own words? Now I'm pushing down to about 70% retention, right? So as a leader, we want to make sure we're pushing down as far as we can on this learning pyramid. This is not theory. This is just about how human beings learn to the point that you know people, we remember most the things that we actually say and do. So if we have someone that wants to present a proposal, we say, hey, let's, you know, let's do a mock one. Let's kind of have you do it, uh, you know, a presentation up, you know, in the front of the room. We'll give you feedback. Now I'm going to, before I go live, I'm really going to be doing uh, probably much better and be able to retain that. Whereas if I say, hey, uh, read this new policy and just let's go ahead and put it in place. Well, we're at about 10 percent of, re- of retention. We're way at the top of the learning pyramid. So uh, as a coach, we have to be patient with that. Because it's easy to kind of stay at the top of the learning pyramid, just give people things. Hey, John, here's the new policy. Go and implement it. Uh, But I guarantee you the next week we'll be back doing the same thing because there's only about a 10% chance that John's going to remember that. (laughs) True. And 100% chance guarantee that somebody's going to be frustrated. (laughs) There you go. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Well, hey, hey, Lee, as we wrap up, what are just a a couple uh, just key points you'd like to leave with people? 
Yeah, I would just say, um, you know, clarity up front in any communication, whether it's coaching or anything, the time you invest up front in setting expectations is usually the best the best investment you can make, right? And then the other thing is, is that we have to look past, I think I alluded to this earlier, past the employee to the person. Just look at the human needs. Everyone has a need to feel appreciated and connected, so make sure you're appreciating people, right? Everyone has feels a need to be involved and, and engaged, so make sure you're asking questions, involvement solutions. So just looking at people as human beings versus just the employee is really a very simple way to kind of figure out there are some basic needs they have there. How do I meet those needs as a leader? And I'm going to get a high-performing employee. That's awesome. Now, how do people connect with you? Uh, you know, where are you on the web and everything, uh, Lee? Yeah, our, our, the website is the L Group, the, the word the, T-H-E, then the letter L, then the word group, the L Group dot com. Uh, on, on social media, it's Lee Colan, C-O-L-A-N, Lee Colan. But there's lots of free tools on our website. If you just hit on the, the blog, the blog tab there, there's whole, all, a whole blog archive, but also free self-assessments, free video clips, um, free mini movies to motivate your team, uh, free top 10 lists, about 50 free tools out there. Again, at thelgroup.com, T-H-E, then the letter L, then the word group, thelgroup.com. Awesome. Lee, thank you so much for your time today. I've really in, enjoyed this. And you know what, um, folks out there, if you can just bring especially, you know, the clarity of communication, asking questions to involve people and just make those changes in, in what you're doing right now in your family, your ministry, your work, the team that you're on, you'll immediately start to see some changes on just how people are showing up. Um, and that starts to build relationships and trust, which I think is really a foundational of, of a great organization. So thank you, Lee. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. In 1994, Bob Buford penned the book Halftime, moving from success to significance. And in the more than 20 years since then, more than three quarters of a million copies have been sold. It's touched baby boomers in the 90s, and it's now touching the lives of both Gen Xers who are in that midlife season asking, is this all there is? As well as baby boomers who are searching for significance in retirement. To get a free copy of the book, just go to returnalleadership.com slash halftime. And after you read it, if you have any questions, you can have a no obligation one hour of halftime coaching. Eternalleadership.com slash halftime. You can't beat getting a free bestseller. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.